This is Paul with Pod Clubhouse. And this is Kat with Shuffle Online. And tonight we're here to talk about the fourth episode of the second season of Prime Video's The Boys. This episode was called Nothing Like It in the World. Uh, I looked up the title and before I even got done typing, something popped up. It was a book accounting the planning and construction of the Pacific Railroad by Stephen Ambrose. Does that sound like it relates to our story so far? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think in some ways it might. It might. Well, I thought maybe the, the history of the book might have something to do with it, but I, I need your brain power to, to help me connect it. The, the story behind the book includes being sort of a populist accounting of history that other historians and critics found to be much too lightweight and poorly edited, not really well researched. Later on, the author, a guy named Stephen Ambrose, had to come out and say, actually, I did meet with a, a railroad historian and I made several corrections, but my publisher didn't make them. And so the erroneous initial take was um, being held against him, even though he had fixed it. I think the only correlation I can see uh, with this episode is maybe the dynamic between Homelander and um, Stormfront. And okay. the fact that she's like trying to not help him because I don't know think that they're helping each other. <laughs> There's uh, intentions there, but I don't know. Like, do you know what I mean? Like in, in their kind of relationship, it seems like there's some critique going on and trying to help get well, out whatever it is. But I don't know if it's necessarily helping. Maybe an, an, an element specifically with what we might have learned about Stormfront today of, of revising history which is kind yeah. of what the book is being accused of and to some extent. Yeah. What we learn about Stormfront suggests maybe there's some of that going on with her. Or we could just be being led around by the nose by the storytellers. And we, <laughs> and we don't have enough to go on just yet. <laughs> yeah. So as following our typical format, let's head through the characters. Is there any particular character you'd like to start with this week? I think Mother's Milk, maybe. I really like, I really, he's becoming a character that I like is getting more screen time and I'm really enjoying him as a character. And I know that we talked about maybe that he's going to be one that maybe that's on purpose. And then I hope it's not to sort of take him out later. (laughs) Yeah. But right now I'm just, I love his interactions with Huey and, um, you know, especially since they go on this road trip. Uh, with Huey and Starlight. So, um, and then we learned a little bit more about his backstory and his father. And I think it provided a lot of insight to like why he's doing what he's doing. It's like Mother's Milk wants to be hard. He wants to be a hard guy and he just can't, you know, sitting there with Annie in the cafe and she's being sweet and talking about her donut and her dad and all that. And he wants to just not say a goddamn word to her. He just can't <laughs> not be civil and tell his story about his dad. Uh, I'm afraid Milk is, or MM as they call him, <laughs> is a much nicer guy than he wants to be. <laughs> Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. And I think also it might be because it's clear that he likes Huey and he wants to protect him. And I think that he knows 
Starlight and Huey, it's just like a dangerous combo, especially right now because the, what she's doing, she's like double agent type thing. And he just doesn't want to get close to Starlight in that way because I think he knows it's just going to, it's not going to end well. Like they're not all going to be a happy-go-lucky family. And um, as much as I think that's why he, she was just hitting all the right buttons though. And I think he couldn't help it because he's a nice guy. But I think the initial hesitation on his part was because I think he knows it's just not going to end well. And we know it's not going to end well, right? <laughs> so much would have to change for it to end well. You yeah. Know, like, is that even a goal for this story? You know, those two star-crossed lovers, uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess pun sort of intended, is that even a, a story goal here that they would wind up together? I'm not positive it is because this whole thing started with with him losing the actual love of his life. There's no way that can happen because she's dead. Yeah. But replacing her, I don't know that that's the goal of, <laughs> of, of Huey's, Huey's story exactly. Maybe. But yeah, getting deeper characterization into MM was something that we were missing in past stories. We had the little bit from last season about the family, and we got little bits this season about the dollhouse. Annie's insight into MM about his OCD is something that I had picked up a little bit, not the tapping or the three times or anything like that, but I did notice his cleanliness. Um, I had mentioned the same thing about Huey, but say in the first episode of, of season two here, when Huey says he's leaving to get more Purell or something like that. And, <laughs> and MM is very specific and saying, get the shit with the aloe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't even watch that. I was just thinking he was just being like, I didn't even know if I really made a note of that. It starts to gel, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's so typical too, because I think Hugh has been in his own little world, obviously being down, depressed, bloody, and not really thinking about others. And I think um, it was uh, good for him to have Starlight there to point out like, hey, like, you know, she noticed it right away because she's observant. And then, um, it made Huey feel a little assholey the fact that he didn't notice those things. Right, um, right. And thinking, I think what you just said, like where he seems to be tough and like, I think that's what Huey was seeing, but he wasn't trying to look anything deeper because of his own issues. And so it was cool to have Starlight uh, provide him with that insight to be like, you need to also think of other people. Um, like she didn't say that, but like, I think he realized it. Like, it's not just about my shit. Other people are going through things too. And like the fact that he has like OCD in some ways, like, Obviously, there's something there, and I don't know. I think it made Huey a little bit more receptive to MM as well in a different way. Someone else on the team that received pretty much that same message, or you know, at least a very close cousin to it, would have been Frenchie. Yes. He had a lot more screen time than usual this episode, and there was some pretty good insight from that lady friend of his, who my memory just fails me. Have we seen his bed buddy... <laughs> In, in the past and i just I don't remember. remember the first season's a little fuzzy for me so i don't remember but um definitely didn't feel like we had this much insight to his character though but she straightens him out I mean, it's almost like she's a um the language she used and how incisive she is into making those observations either she's uh, got some sort of power or she is trained in psychotherapy psychoanalysis something like that because she got him she nailed him. The, <laughs> the idea that maybe Frenchie is projecting his need to take care of Kimiko as a way of dealing with his own wrongs is, is I think, uh, pretty spot on. 
Well, actually, that kind of mirrors in another storyline in this one, which we can talk about later. But like, it just reminded me when you said that about the saving and um, how Frenchy, when his lady friend says like, because he, he says, oh, I wanted to, I kissed Kimiko and then she like pulled away and he, she was like, of course, she's grieving her her brother. And it's like, well, I wanted to make her feel better. And it's like, make you feel better or her. Yeah. And um, kind of like a saving sort of thing. And then um, the other storyline is Billy and Becca Although we'll get into how he goes and reunites, like he also mentions Becca was the one that saved him in some ways, like back when they were together. And that's just like a pair, I think a parallel in some ways, like these guys thinking these women are going to, you know, like they're going to save them or someone else is going to save you. And it's like, no, no one's going to save you. And then I guess we could also say that about Homelander as well, because he learns that lesson too of like, I don't need anybody, you know, just going to be on my own. So I don't know. I think there's a lot of people kind of thinking they need something and looking at it from the wrong perspective. Like you can't help anyone but yourself in some ways. That's probably a a byproduct um, or maybe even a very specific product of this kind of satire of comic book storytelling where maybe not so much in modern comics, but in kind of the classic comics that that most people are familiar with, the Supermans and the Batmans and that kind of stuff, an essential part of the story was that someone somewhere needed saving. Mm -hmm. That was the whole point of the book. If you didn't get around to to saving that person in that book, then you waste everybody's time. So that mindset being kind of built into us as viewers and into these or more like our expectations for their storylines is a probably part of what the boys is meant to undermine and change. Which I like because it's always so tired. Like I rewatched Smallville um, during this quarantine, um, obviously very different superhero show. <laughs> um, but still probably I, a lot of saving going on. I mean, I love it still, but like I watched it when I was in high school and watching it now, like you can, and especially binge watching it when it wasn't meant to be binge watch. It was just over and over and over again. And like uh, Clark Kent trying to like save people and save when they kind of didn't need, I don't know. It was just like a little repetitive and in a little bit of the worst ways, (laughs) I don't know, it was too much. And so I think I really like the boys is just completely different. It's like the guys don't like think they're saving people. And it's like, they're not (laughs) saving from themselves and only they can do that. I guess now that I'm thinking about all these parallels of saving Huey also, when he brings starlight on this road trip, MM basically asked him like, because Huey says she really needs this. You know, she's in a dark place. And it's like, she needs this or do you need this? Nice, so everyone, yeah. I think everyone in this episode um, almost is like getting saved or trying to save somebody, but it's like not warranted <laughs> in the way that they're doing it. Well, ultimately uh, in this episode, Frenchie does save Kimiko from herself. Mm-hmm. Um, she is going to get ready to jump Stormfront and it is not going to go well for her. And he holds her back. It's funny that that is counts as saving in the yeah. kind of the comic book sense uh, but it is in this in this universe getting keeping someone from getting just ripped apart <laughs> that's good enough <laughs> for, yeah it's a new, it's a new um saving it's, it's, <laughs> it's not it's, distress saving it's like oh i gotta save the damsel from herself <laughs> that's what saving right. in 2020 looks like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and kimiko was not happy about it no but I think she understands, though. Yeah. I mean, if she's going to beat Stormfront, if that's part of her story, which I don't know that it is, 
she's not going to be able to do it alone just in broad daylight. It's going to be a thing. It's going to be a whole thing, even if, but I don't see that necessarily happening. Yeah. I don't know if Kimiko is going to be the one because yeah, this Homelander and Stormfront is also shaping up a little bit more. Let's see. Let's stick with the boys since we're in boys land before we jump over to Homelander because his story is (laughs) rich this episode. (laughs) You've, you mentioned Huey on this road trip with, with MM. Can I ask, I guess, maybe a a dumb question, but what have I missed about Billy Joel and his importance to either Huey or this show? Is there some connective tissue there that I just haven't gotten? Because he keeps (laughs) coming up, does he not? Yeah, the song as as they go. I don't know. I, I hope it pays off. Well, like the opening song in the first episode when they kind of point counterpoint between Annie and Huey getting ready to go meet each other. That's a Billy Joel song. Then there's like the video that he's kind of going crazy to watching. That's a Billy Joel song. Then they sing. That's a lot of freaking Billy Joel. <laughs> when you say. Yeah, yeah. And I just did a quick search um, and it says the boy season two gets Billy Joel's blessing. So I think it's the creator, Eric Kripke. Maybe he's just like a really big Joel, Billy Joel fan. Man, okay, well, we've got our eye on you, Mr. William Joel. Yeah. (laughs) We're hoping for some payoff here. And it better not just be like a full cast rendition of like Uptown Girl or something. That is not going to do it for me, I'm afraid. Oh my God, I would love that though. (laughs) But in Huey land, uh, having Annie sing along with We Didn't Start the Fire, that uh, I think made him love her (laughs) yeah that was like the falling in love moment it was when she looked back and she was smiling and singing his song or at least the song by who was apparently his favorite artist in the world (laughs) yeah i think that pretty much sealed the deal no matter what happened at the end of the episode with her leaving and the subway and all that nah yeah it was too late yeah although i will say at least in this episode huey there was no blood (laughs) uh maybe a little bit of heartache or heartbreak, but not really because, you know, she's not leaving because she doesn't love him and just leaving because of the circumstances. So that's different. Right. She wants to protect him. Yeah. So that's okay. Um, but I I kind of liked seeing Huey like smile in this one and not being so down. And there, he had a, a happy episode, I guess, a happy go at it. Um, but that also scares me thinking like what's to come for him. <laughs> that Well, yeah. If TV has taught us anything, it's a no lead is happy for very long before you know their puppy gets run over or something and it's so funny because the the satire of the show also is like starlight even says that like we shouldn't do this again because we're getting too happy we're going to lose um sight of what's actually going on that's when people are we're going to be weak and we're they're going to get us and so it's like also reminding us like yeah no don't get too comfortable with the, with them. It's not going to be happy. Which leads me to my one and only real big question or actual question about Huey is now that Annie says that she she can't be with him, which we know is, you know, a lie. Um, <laughs> but he's not so sure about that lie because he, you know, he doesn't really have anything to go on. Do you suppose he's going to act on that? Do you suppose he's going to just respect her wishes and let her be? Or, or do you think he's going to continue to do sh- dumb shit like call her burner and show up where she is and, and that kind of stuff? I think 
the fact that we just said he's kind of sealed his like love for her and like falling in love. He's that kind of guy. Like, you know, he, he hasn't given me any reason to think he's going to go about it the right way or like the safer way. I think he's going to do something bold, which is probably not the smartest idea. <laughs> Boombox in front of Fought Tower. Yeah, Fought Tower. <laughs> um, and then... Or though, I don't know, maybe he, maybe, I hope he's learned a lesson from like being shot in a whale, like <laughs> smashed into a whale um, to rethink it. But I think the ending with her saying like, I, you know, we can't do this until Vod is taken down. Like, um, I think that's just going to make him want to really take down Vod because now he has a purpose in some ways. It's like he can be with Annie because he knows that she feels the same way and he doesn't have anything else like we've learned. And I think his mission now is just going to be trying to really get at Vought to somehow get her free <laughs> so they can be together. So I think that's going to be his new purpose for the hope, maybe the second half of this um, series. I like that. But I think he's still going to weave in some acts of stupidity just to try to be closer to her. Yeah. I mean, oh, Huey, Dewey, Louie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his self-preservation is, is not where it needs to be for this lifestyle. Yeah, and it's funny, too, because he went from, like, zero to 180 with, like, hey, like, you were really down in the dumps by, you know, all the stuff that just happened to you, getting seeing the CIA agent, like, her head blown up, and then, like, being in a whale, and, like, the fact that he just, like, goes completely to the upper, other side and like oh we can like have a life together and you know it's so we're together now and it's like hey remember what happened like just like a few days ago yeah um, so that were that part worries me where what you're saying makes sense that he probably is going to do something stupid yeah we got our eye on you huey we're very worried about your your choice making but uh what you said about it was nice to see him not angsting and being the i mean he can he can actually be a charming guy when yeah. when he's not having to worry about being killed and his girlfriend being killed and all that stuff he's the candy bar discussion and all that was that was all uh, right on for for being you know a good boyfriend kind of stuff you know teasing lightly but not really making fun in some way that you're going to break anyone's heart or anything like that yeah. that's a that's a classic boyfriend out of the handbook kind of stuff it was cute to see but i was like it's not going to last not in a boys universe <laughs> that is exactly correct. The reason MM and Huey and Annie are all together is because of a mission that they inherited when their leader Billy took leave <laughs> from from the from the boys for his side mission. <laughs> they are sent to go run down this lead relating to liberty. Um, what the colonel called a second tier soup that was active in the seventies. I was kind of expecting that they were going to actually run in to Liberty, just a, like a retired 70-year-old Liberty. That is not what we got. No. Yeah, I was expecting that to happen as well. Um, and uh, what we got was was really different. And then I was like, oh, okay. And it, now it just brings up so many questions that I have for where, the, I guess, the season's going, the storyline's going. But it's, it's actually better than what I was thinking it was going to be. So... What well, about you? did you did you like the reveal of it? I did because it served to create more questions. I don't necessarily want to see them playing like you know Scooby Doo in the Mystery Machine all all season long. Yeah, no. But expanding beyond, okay, here's an old soup. Go talk to them. Turning that into this is someone who had to sign an NDA because this soup 
killed her brother in a pretty horrific way. Now what? So that creates a lot of questions. Like Soup's flying rogue, even before Homelander. There's that. There's why this soup. I'm sure that there are a ton of these kind of NDAs out there for people that were mistreated by the soups or Vought or whatever like that. So why this one? Mm -hmm. And if all that stuff about Liberty perhaps being Stormfront is true, which I have questions about that when we get to the Stormfront chapter, then the person that sent them on this goose chase, I think the colonel just passed along the info. I don't know that she's the big brain behind all this. If, so if there is kind of this unseen person pulling those strings, and we already have questions about why Stormfront is in the seven at all. Yeah. Do those things tie together? Are, is that even maybe even the same person or those people that are at war that we don't even know their level yet because we just haven't been in this universe long enough? It's it's a lot less straightforward than just go to Liberty's house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, that was it's funny, right? Because that's like the um, like a typical TV uh, storyline or plot that they that happens in the throughout seasons or whatever uh, in everything, and it just turns out to be something completely different. <laughs> yeah, or a, a, an avenue that doesn't really solve anything and just has, like you said, more questions. I did though because I was. Um, when the story was unfolding and, and the lady was talking about how her brother got killed and she was like a kid, I did hear the voice of Stormfront. I was like, oh, and because and then I and then I put it together like right when she was gonna say something about liberty. I was like, oh my God, is that Stormfront? Like, um, and then she brought out the magazine. I was like, yes. And so I did feel like that the voice um of Liberty who killed the brother did sound like Stormfront. So I think it's maybe spot on, um, unless there's like another they have clones or duplicates but i don't think they're doing that in this universe but who knows i don't really know i just think it's pretty awesome because then it's like oh is she immortal is this like a soup that just took that compound v and is sort of like an anomaly amongst them or it uh, i don't know and then it, it kind of made sense in the fact remember like i mentioned the last episode where when she was telling starlight like, why do you care what they think? You're a superhero. You can do whatever the, you know, fuck you want. And like, just the fact that she holds herself so, like, she is invincible. And the fact that this is like 40 years ago, supposedly, that she's been living. I don't know. It just makes me feel like, is she like a crazy Superman type soup that can't be controlled? But then maybe they kind of put her down in some way and then revived her. Is that what Vought's doing too? Like, do they have like a, how many old other soups? And where do they go, really? Do, when they retire, are they just getting held in a facility when they need them to come back? I don't know. Like Soup's old folks home, but maybe yeah. they're, they're on ice. Yeah, cryo. Right. Well, one thing that I thought of that could be a connection there was the actress that plays Stormfront is older than I would have guessed. She is actually 38 years old. And the math sort of works out to a person being that old and having a parent being active in the 70s. And that might account for looking the same, being a soup, that kind of stuff. The one line that Stormfront says to Homelander about, you know, changing with the times, God, yeah. I did, all that kind of stuff, that yeah. may just be leading us, you know, because of the other information we got this episode. But oh, do you think that's like maybe the original before Ryan, like the original kid soup? Perhaps. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a good one. 
Yeah. Good theory. That is one that I'm more zeroed in on than having an immortal or at least a slowly aging soup. However, however, in the vein of the discussion that we were having last podcast about if Stormfront was brought to the Seven deliberately to challenge Homelander for control of the Seven, whoever did that would need to bring in someone that could stand up to Homelander's offense, the lasers, the the muscles, everything. Yeah. Um, someone who who is essentially immortal, mm-hmm. maybe, yeah, <laughs> maybe could do that. But it just brings up questions on like, well, why isn't she in the place of Homelander? Um, yeah, why right. wouldn't she be the face of all of the of the seven, like, or for the year for all these years? Why did she just disappear that night? So I still have questions, like all those questions about like, well, why would they? You know what I mean? Like, if they're doing NDA, but like, why would they just get rid of her? Obviously, if she's super, I just feel like they either like Vought was like, oh, we can't deal with this, so we need to like kind of the equivalent of taking someone out, but like just putting them on ice or um, like, cause where was she all this time is my question. Portland is not a good answer, even though that's the one, <laughs> one that they told us. It all creates only more questions with what we have right now. Another, another good one with, with her would be if she was intentionally brought in to do whatever it is that she's doing, Mm-hmm. Why would that include bad mouthing Vought in front of rallies yes. and stuff like that? If if I did that for my employer, you know what would happen the next day? <laughs> I'd be looking for a new job. I know yes. I'm not a I'm I mean I'm very good at my job, but I'm by no means super powered at my job. Uh so maybe the stakes are a little bit different for my employer, but still. But that makes you feel like Edgar's the one that brought her in it seems like she's playing at whatever they want her to be playing at. So in some ways it's funny because she is playing this role of like getting to say whatever she wants. She's bad mouthing Vought. She seems like she's, I guess, in a way progressive or whatever. And yet it might be that she is doing exactly what Vought wants her to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or just uh, you could see where they know that, sh- that there's this loose cannon aspect to her. They have this goal in mind where they think she can do it. She says, okay, I'll do it, but I got to do it my way. And then this is her way. So that's her price. She gets to have her mouth (laughs) (laughs) if they end up with this goal, whatever that is, if it might be taking Homelander out of the equation, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know, but it's good. I I like all the questions that have um, come up with this new reveal. It feels like there's a lot of reveals happening early on. Like it's not, I like that we're kind of got past this, like let's wait for a whole season because they only got eight episodes to really hone it in. So um, I kind of like that we get big stuff early on. It just makes me feel like there's more to come if this is already happening. Yeah, yeah, off cam or off camera, <laughs> off mic. You and I were discussing that in comparison to the first three episodes of the premiere night or day or event, whatever. Uh, this episode both ran long and felt chock full of not only action but character building, world building. All just just a ton of shit happened in this episode. Um, no, no whale exploding. I'll that yeah. I'll, I'll give you that. But still, it felt full. Yeah, I was like, whoa, a lot happened. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. We've talked a lot about Stormfront, even kind of out of sequence, but we might as well just finish up with just one more concern about her. 
in that meeting that she had with Homelander when he comes in to try to straighten her out, she begins to try to appeal to him like she can help him. She's actually interested in helping him remodel his image and and that kind of stuff. Was any of that to be believed or was that just, uh, I've I've pissed off dad (laughs) (laughs) and and I need to get out of this? What do you think? No, I don't think... I don't think she is scared of Homelander at all. I feel like this is sort of like the manipulation of what she's been brought in to do. And in some ways, it's kind of like what Homelander does or has done. Um, we're seeing him break down a little bit more in the, in this episode. So yeah. he's not like 100% Homelander because of you know what happened in the f- season one finale. I think that still shook him. But I think she maybe knows Homelander and what appeals to him in the sense of like, um, I can't I always forget her name. The, the still breast well. <laughs> Yeah. So it feels like she took a, pl- well, obviously uh, cause uh, Liberty was in Stillwell's. Um, that's how they got, that's how Colonel got her. Right. Like they said it was in, in her files. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it feels like the way she, she was acting in this scene was the way that Stillwell would treat Homelander, like that talking to him and the kind of like seducing him, but making him feel good because that's what he needs to like kind of get going and stuff. And so like, I feel like it was her being trained by Stillwell in some ways to like prep Homelander for this. And it's just so coincidence that Stillwell died, she was in the files and then she gets brought into the seven. And then she sets out to trash homelander's reputation and then when he comes to her and says knock it off she says i'll help you fix your (laughs) reputation yeah the one i just trashed remember that yeah i'll help you fix that so it's Hmm. just weird like there's a lot going on there that i i don't understand what the game is the television cue that we have that there's uh, much more than what's being told on the face is how the camera lingers on her kind of smug grin when she's done with dealing with him. Yeah. Like at the end of the last episode when they're doing, when they're at the press conference and Homelander's in the, in the background and she's in the foreground and uh, she's clapping slowly and and grinning at him. Uh, And the same thing with this, when they're done with their exchange, the camera lingers on her face for just a second. And despite possibly having gotten lasered a few minutes ago, she seems perfectly in control of herself and she feels what's happening right then. It's really weird. Like when she was, she was just saying like, uh, I don't know. That whole interaction just felt very odd. Like, like she's intended to do that from the start. And so right. She was, was preparing for that moment of him coming and just being outraged. And then she already had the speech in mind. Yeah. Like totally expected. Yeah. Let's shift over to, to Billy just to round out the boys. He had quite an adventure, but it all comes down to Becca. Yeah. Oh. I mean, that that is the whole deal is that he finds Becca Becca pretty much still loves him, Mm -hmm. but he can't bring himself to feel anything for Ryan. Yes. Oof. I thought that was also uh, just like the Liberty, possibly Stormfront reveal. But that was like a big thing that we were getting Billy and Becca back in the fourth episode. Um, Although I guess it makes sense because we've waited a season and a half, I guess, at this point for you know, Billy and him talking about Becca and his thinking that she was dead and all that. But I just like that it happened early because I, 
again, I don't like the long reveals that don't, are not necessary. <laughs> um, so I like that they he was able to go and find her. And of course, it's the boys, so it wasn't going to be a happy ending. I thought it was going to be more about they were going to try to get out and then it was going to be like they were going to try to take Ryan and, um, you know, because they're on Vought property. And like he keeps saying, they're not going to let Ryan go. Me and you got to go thinking like Becca would just leave her kid. Never. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that he didn't factor in is like, yeah, she's a mom. Like you don't come first anymore. <laughs> do, you, do you think to some extent in his mind, he might be looking at that the way that wound up as you chose Homelander's son over me? I wouldn't put it past Billy. I mean, he hasn't been with her for what, like 10 years now. And I think right. like, she, I think it was that, it was that sort of thing when he was trying to tell her like, Oh, you were the one that saved me. And then she says, when she says she can't go, you've put me on a pedestal and I'm not that person you think I am. Um, I was never going to save you. You were always just, it's actually, you know what, maybe Becca was the canary, you know, and, and um, she was the one that maybe kind of kept him in check. And then when she got out of the picture and he went on the revenge tour, he was just able to be himself, like his true self. And that's what she says. It's like, you were always like a punch away from just doing anything. I couldn't really stop you. I think Billy has, is going to have to come to terms with that. Like he is who he is. I don't know. I think it's going to shift his whole thing of thinking Becca is my way out or being good or something. And then maybe he realizes like, no, it's just like who I am. Once he gets out of there, that's going to have to cause a major shift in his motivations and what he decides to do from now on, because I don't think he's going to do anything dumb, like try to take Ryan out of the equation. That doesn't seem right. That seems no. stupid. So if that's off the table, then what is he going to do? Because this all was either trying to find Becca or getting revenge for Becca in the first place because he thought she was dead. He knows she's alive, but she won't jeopardize Homelander's son, her son, <laughs> to be with him. So maybe he and Huey now align in terms of they can't have they they can't have they women <laughs> unless they bring yeah. down Vaught. Yeah, so that has to be the new mission. See, we, it just writes itself. Yeah, <laughs> we're one step ahead of the writers. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> And then in the next episode, so we were wrong. <laughs> Pretty much. I fully expect that. that. That's part of the fun of doing these uh, podcasts, in case you're listening to this and wondering, why do they keep doing this week after week? <laughs> you just have to get over the idea that you're going to make predictions, and then they're going to be wrong. Yeah. And then just kind of roll with it and have fun with that. And then make wilder and wilder predictions, hoping that one of them hits. <laughs> oh, it's fun. It is. Do you have anything else about Billy or does that pretty much capture what he was doing in this episode? The only thing I had was because um, we had spoken about the last one where he kind of emerged as the leader. And it was funny that we were like, oh, maybe the team's going to see him as a different kind of, you know, as point person or whatever. And then it's funny, like in this one, he just goes off on his own and be like, hey, guys, you got that right. And, then, <laughs> and right. so I was like, oh, my goodness, like you're still like he still does not want to accept either help and also just like. The leadership role f to the full extent and i hope that maybe the fact that he was trying to save becca and it didn't work out i hope maybe in the next one he can finally step into whatever he needs to um as the leader of the team because in this one i was just like wow you just like left them after your whole mission in the last episode in the last <laughs> whale episodes i was just like oh my goodness it's like we're all learning that there is no saving i know we just had this conversation but there is no saving but what there is is 
putting people in a position where they're allowed to at least make their own decisions. And none of our characters, whether they're boys or seven or whatever, really have that. If they manage to do this, if they manage to bring Vought to its knees and kind of rebuild the idea of supers and this whole thing in the world, then then they have a chance, I think, of, yeah. of at least being at zero, where you can make a good decision, you can make a bad decision, but you're not going to get killed for it. And that's not where they're at right now. Yeah. And then another thing that came up is, um, I think we've talked about this, but it hasn't really been addressed, is like, oh, why don't they take V? Because how are they really going to stop the soups if they don't have any powers? But then I was thinking it's that whole thing, right? Where they V is some sort of like, you have to take it when you're a kid. Like you can't just like take V and then you would be a superpower because it's like kind of a very formal, like you have to follow a certain formula and some people are not going to take to it, right? Because um, I just wonder like how Billy, Huey, MM think they're going to take on these soups if they go down that path yeah they can't all shove explosives in their butts uh (laughs) (laughs) that's not gonna work every time so i'm I'm wondering like my prediction i guess for the not next episode but just overall is like is one of the boys gonna inject v into their system (laughs) that's a great question that's a great point it'd be very tempting because you're right this this isn't like a david and goliath sort of thing it's it's worse than that. We're ants to them. It's it's a totally different scale. Yeah. And, and so there would need to be something that comes along that would help even the, the scales a little bit, whether it's weaponry that can do that or meeting them on their own terms with superpowers, uh, which, you know, it opens the door for finding others powerful, but kind of unregistered soups. Yeah, that would be good too. Actually, that's probably the way they're going to have to go in order to defeat. Like maybe soups are against the seven or just like on the other side. But um, yeah, that's probably a better better one than them taking B, but I don't know. The plot line from last season where Homelander released V into the wild to purposely generate super terrorists or super villains, depending on branding, <laughs> that is dangerous, but... There is that one in a million shot where it could work on you because super yeah. terrorists did come about. If you're one of the boys and there's only the four of you or five, if you count Kimiko, then, you know, <laughs> do, do you take that chance? You might. If it gets bad enough, you might. Yeah, because they only have Kimiko, who's actually the super. So, um, but she can't do it all. And right now she's running on emotion. So she's not an even keel right now. She's going to go for the jugular and be, make dumb decision when um, she's fighting at this point because she's not thinking clearly. No. But speaking of supers, let's start talking about our supers. Let's end with Homelander because he's got so darn much to talk about. <laughs> let's start with the deep, actually, because he's got kind of a humorous storyline. I didn't notice it until like the second or third one where they were doing these interviews with women how they were just dropped in there. It it took like a second or third one. I was like, wait a second. The format of this show doesn't usually include things like this. So what's going on? (laughs) The idea that they were interviewing wives for the deep isn't what came to mind. Me either. Yeah. 
I thought it was it was so good though when it was finally revealed. I was like, oh my god, because it did feel very out of place. I was like, there has to be something going on. I wonder what it is. And then it was revealed to be that. I was like, oh my god, I, I just love this show so much. <laughs> they were all funny. Did you have a, a favorite interviewee? I don't know if I would call her my favorite, but it was she was like the last one was just hilarious. The, the feminist. <laughs> yes, I'm a feminist. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Stop stop talking. She was funny, but it was uh, it was the theme was seemed to be about love and being hurt and and mistakes made in love or decisions or something like that having to do with relationships and all that. It was. It felt like it was like a therapy session. It did. So to find Carol there pulling the strings wasn't overly uh, surprising. This is something that we know from our world that. I don't know that it's still done, but it used to be done when it came to preventing, I guess, a celebrity homosexual's true nature from becoming public. They would all of a sudden marry them. And then that was supposed to keep the public from thinking something about that person yeah. that, that they didn't want out in the in the public. I don't know that this still happens exactly. Maybe it does, and I'm just naive. But it definitely seemed like a callback to that kind of... Yeah, using marriage in the public eye just to kind of like hide whatever is going on. In this case, sexual assault. <laughs> right. Horrible. <Yeah. laughs> like that's going to like, hey, I have a wife now. So kind of like, oh, I'm a husband uh, or father. I, I don't know that the sexual assault is public. It's just his weird behavior is, you know. Oh, yes, yes. We, yeah, you're right. The steal- yeah, so the public wouldn't know um, what we know, I guess. Yeah, you're right. I like that we don't know what the public really is thinking only through what they show us in like the media that they're showing us like mm-hmm. the extra and all that. But like, still we don't get the public perception, which I think is smart on, on the shows because they're just making a statement right about everything um, on how like behind the scenes is like, this is how it goes down. But yeah, I think it's still going to be kind of odd to just see the deep get married and then try to go through this like TV circuit or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, like I don't get the sense from the other members of the seven that that being a, a family man or whatever is necessarily like your ticket to the big time. So I'm not sure where they get that idea. Just the overall idea of image rehab is the big mission. But, but we all know it's not going to work. <laughs> no, no. But perhaps he's trying. It's just like this is definitely artificial. I still. I'm curious to know because we didn't besides the interviews with the the girls we didn't get anything from the deep besides that very like last sort of thing I still want to know what this church of the collective which I guess if um we're just trying to tie it all together remember Stormfront knew a lot about the church of the collective so I wonder maybe if we think if she's really liberty did she go infiltrate that you know like now that we Mm. know possibly like been MIA for 40 years or whatever so wound up sort of underground with them or something interesting yeah i don't know yeah that's why she knows so much all right so we've got a smidgen with black noir and the only reason to mention is because we almost get no black noir the rest of the time the big question is why does he care so much about finding billy do you think it's like a loyalty thing to uh to homelander or do you think he has his, his own designs on billy yeah i was actually thinking that since we saw him crying when he found out about the v I was thinking that maybe since we don't really know anything about him and this is just like a shot in the dark, but, or in the black noir, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> that maybe he's outraged, you know, cause we have to assume since he is wearing the gear 
that V made him either disfigured or something, you know, very like he can't talk either. So like, obviously it didn't go right in some ways, or we don't even know like who he was as a kid. Cause this happened when he was little, something must've happened. So I was thinking maybe it really affected him knowing that it wasn't like he wasn't born that way. And maybe he wants to meet Billy to possibly take some revenge on actually the seven, maybe switching sides, but that's maybe just me trying to be like, get some drama in the TV show. I don't know. <laughs> well, we just said that they do need superpowered help in order to make their their mission work. And Black Noir's uh, motivations, we don't know. We know that he's, he's good at what he does, and that makes him part of the Seven. But we don't know that he actually has any kind of super heroic tendencies or anything like that. We just He might have been doing it because he thought that was who he was. Right. You know, maybe his ties to Vaught and the and the other six members of the Seven aren't anything to him. Yeah. I hope it's that. That would be really interesting. That would be great. A-Train, pack your shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So we were right. He's not He's not up to snuff. And Homelander did figure it out. We didn't, they don't say how he came out of the coma or anything like that. It's probably unimportant at this point. It's just that he's not 100% now. And... And Homeland is probably right. As speedsters go, the fact that he's to keep stopping and he's probably lost a step, he's he's not world class anymore. Yeah. That makes me wonder if all of a sudden he's going to have sort of that I don't want to lose my job kind of furious scrambling where he's going to all of a sudden remember that burner phone and find something on it like Huey's message that Annie probably didn't delete. Mm-hmm. Um that might save his ass because I was thinking about it. They they have this mutually assured destruction pact between the two um, where she could spill the beans on Popclaw and all that. But what if he was able to spin that story in such a way that he, yeah, he admits that to killing her, but it was to protect the seven in some way. Also, he could probably try to, since Billy and Huey are in the same camp and Billy's like like outlaw number one or, or whatever, could also make it seem like, and if there's connections to Starlight, could also make her seem like she is basically the double, you know, like yeah. the tail of the seven in the public eye. Yeah. So that could also happen. Um and also, I was just thinking, not even like public stuff. I think that he could just tell Homelander because now he has nothing to lose if he's already on the on the way out. And then, although I don't know if that would necessarily get Homelander. Homelander doesn't like damaged goods, is my thing. Like, is what it seems like, right? Like he wants top class, no matter who you are. And if you don't bring that, it's going to bring the team down, and he can't have that. So yeah. I don't necessarily know whatever A Train could do because he's still going to have the heart issue. So I really don't know what he's going to do or what could help him really get back on the team. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, I I think in A-Train's mind, that part of it won't matter. He'll still try. Yeah, it's like when he told Annie, like, hey, you don't mess with the money, you know? Yeah, so he could still do the damage, not get anything for it, but still have, you know, ruined things for Annie. That's kind of where I think that might might wind up because I don't think he's done. I mean, he's, he's obviously done at the seven. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. but uh yeah he's still got some trouble to cause i think or if we're trying to um say that soups are going to jump maybe he could also be one but i don't think so because i guess he's done enough bad but maybe since he has a connection with starlight now and they have this pact she could try to turn him 
man, you know, if I was Huey, I just couldn't work with the guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just couldn't do it. Let's see. Is there anything more to mention about Annie that we didn't get in talking earlier or about Huey or the trip to Liberty's accuser? I think th- maybe the one thing that um, I noted is that when they are on the road trip and then that semi get hits the, the truck or something and her first inkling is to go and save you know, whoever's in the car that got hit. Yeah. And I thought that was just so telling of like, you know, she is obviously a product of her mom taking the V and I mean, getting this V for her and trying to make her into the superhero, um, whatever. But the fact that like that was her first inclination to, hey, I got to go help these people just shows like they are superheroes, you know, or like she is. Yeah. She has that kind of willingness to do it because there was no cameras, there was no nothing. And she was like, had that first instinct. It was, it was a good sign on her character. It's just kind of already built in of like, I got to save them. (laughs) Yeah, it's something you take for granted in typical comic stories that a superhero comic, you know, uh, the costume wearing superhero is going to do that. And really, (laughs) what we've learned in the boys universe is you might get Queen Maeve to help out maybe, but unless there's a camera around, Homelander probably wouldn't. And we have no idea about the others, really. They haven't shown a lot. So the idea of, of a seven or a superhero actually feeling that virtuous need to help those in need is refreshing and a good reflection on her and and it's why she's who she is why she's likable and why huey likes her probably yeah so let's wind up with the big guy homelander well do you want to talk about mave we i think we'll get to mave as part of homelander's talk because um I have several several entries for Homelander and they all fit on like a spectrum between <laughs> control or love or at yeah. least how he feels about love which I think is more or less related to control it's not like an opposite or sort of thing it's it's like highly related mm-hmm. so um and another another recurring theme was his he kept intimidating the women members of the seven like they didn't show him go have any special meetings with uh black noir and he, they, we saw him fire a train but but he didn't try to get up in his face or anything like that like he did with mave stormfront and annie yeah do you think that there was anything to that that they were that that they just showed him ganging up or not ganging up but because there's one of them but intimidating the women or do you think it's just they just happen to be women characters and that's the way it was. I think it's a little bit of both. Cause I, yeah, you're right. Like a train, he doesn't, he's just kind of like, Oh, you're letting go. I really liked you. Blah, blah. We'll always be friends, et cetera. Yeah. <laughs> et cetera. <laughs> I, wish, I wish I could like, well, I don't want a friendship to end, but I would just be like, we'll always be friends. Et cetera. <laughs> Send that in a text to someone. I don't know. It seems like he, he's more nonchalant. I mean, even with the deep, he, he's like, Hey buddy, like you're going to get back in, even though he's like kind of lying to him, even though he knows what he did and not that Homelander cared about what he did. I think he doesn't care one way or the other, what the deep used to do. Um, but there is a little bit of him exerting his control over women or thinking he has that control over women, um, and like kind of intimidating them. And I think that's why also it's irks him when Stormfront is not intimidated. Maybe it's kind of a theme with the show, like like we had with The Deep and his body issues, racing to degrade women before they could say anything to him one way or the other. 
in the case of Homelander, we have another powerful guy who ha- seems to have issues with with women. We know that it was body issues driving the the deep. We kind of suspect there's some twist on like mommy type issues <laughs> with yeah, with, with Homelander that <laughs> because of the scenarios that played out in this one. The cabin scene, both both of them. I had wondered where Doppelganger had gotten to. Now we know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a guy with sort of a, a fluid sense of gender and morality, and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Uh, so, not that those things are tied together; it's just that they are for him fluid. Yeah, literally. Uh, yes, exactly. It was disturbing, I have to say, because at first I was just like, "Oh, is she alive?" And I was like, "No, I don't think that's that type of show." It was just very odd when we see um, Stillwell there and her like lace stuff, and then you know with Homelander and I was like oh my god like what is going on and then when he like gets out of um, shape and turns into the doppelganger and then he was like oh my god it's like you know turn the fuck back now yeah yeah that was not disturbing in the sense of like the doppelganger but just the fact that Homelander is just really clinging on to this like obviously what he did to Stillwell and like what she represented Mm -hmm. definitely feels the void of her so much like with this milk obsession and um the fact that he like obviously he wants to have these scenarios with her to feel comforted because that's what she used to do to him and i think he feels so lost without her in some ways yet i do think that he had to kill her and like i don't think he could have like lived with her what she did you know lying to him Mm -hmm. yet it's just so telling that he needs to go back to her and like or have the have the notion of her and that's what's like disturbing <laughs> but then i guess the second cabin scene when he finally can face her or face himself sees the mirror of him and how pathetic he is in some ways right yeah tells and him he, so yeah i think that's what he needed to kind of see to be like oh what the fuck am i doing you know like i'm homelander and i'm like in here in a cabin with the doppelganger being still like, you know, like I think that's when he realized like, I got to get over this shit, even though like in a psycho way, but I think he kind of realized this is not who I am. I just need myself and that's it. So do you think that that was enough to get over his preoccupation with the idea of needing the love that we, like we had discussed in the last episode, like Stormfront identified in this episode when they start arguing and he starts rattling off that he still tops in certain key demographics and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he invests time in sorting out just how well he's loved. <laughs> yeah. And so going through this with the doppelganger version of himself, do you think that that was enough to break that side of him and if and if so man that kind of leaves him off off of off the leash in terms of dealing with these other heroes and other other people doesn't it yeah i mean he says i don't need anyone and that i think was kind of keeping him in check somewhat act this way they will love you he wanted that love so bad and then i think he realized like fuck everyone <laughs> even himself you know like literally <laughs> almost and and then he was like no like that's probably what was keeping him in check right and then i think that's it's scary to think that he's already so psycho and then and the fact that now he's not going to have this sort of thing holding him back where he's had this kind of not weakness but i guess some sort of like with the stillwell and like thinking he had he needed that and he needed the love of the fans and if he doesn't is he if he isn't trying to please anyone or be what he thought he needed to be for people that's mm-hmm. gonna be like homelander off the grid and like just going 
falls to the wall because I think it's going to be kind of get to him in the sense, though, I think it's going to make him go. I guess it's going to make him feel free, but not necessarily good for everybody. Right. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Exactly. In that elevator scene with Annie, he hurt her, but he that was nothing to him. That was no exertion. That was that was nothing. But still, there was some element of um, when I get off this elevator, I don't want anyone to to know that I anything went down in here. Mm-hmm. That kind of behavior might might look different in the future, given that he might not care what people think of him anymore if he's not seeking out that love. Although I think in some ways too, like I don't know if his whole life has been built around this and he might also be kind of fooling himself into thinking like I don't know if by him killing this doppelganger of himself that that solved all his issues. Um, it could be a quick fix because I think his problems are so rooted, you know, deeply that I don't think he can fix it just by killing that one thing. Me neither. I mean, so yeah, so I think he might think he's all you know well and good, and then that could also be what sets him off too, right? <laughs> I don't know anyone, and then like he sees whatever, and he's like, oh no, like he's gonna even go crazier. <laughs> even before that, he was testing the the limits of the loyalty and relationships you know like like you mentioned annie in the elevator scaring the bejesus out of her in there but but then on the tv show with mave it made me wonder are they publicly some sort of couple as far as people perceive them or they just always kind of seen together maybe that's more like it that was probably it because i don't think like it seemed like that but we again like we don't see the public reaction we don't see anything besides through these mediums that we're seeing them, I would assume that maybe that's what it that's what it is. But the fact that he just outed her, <laughs> yeah, kind of did it in a way like that was self serving because it helps the image of the seven. Well, I mean, it very publicly said to her, Maeve in particular, you can't hide anything from me, which I think she thought that she was, but no. It's funny too because I think Homelander has this like creepy sense of like feels like he's bugged everyone in a way and that's why it was making me uneasy seeing Annie with um, Huey and all that whole road trip and then also being out in the open because I'm just like what are you doing like seems like Homelander can listen in on like either conversations or he knows a lot of like what people think he doesn't know. We never see him getting this information but he just seems to know it and that's like um, also a little unnerving. Mm Mm-hmm. But with the Maeve, yeah, I think he just wanted to let her know, like, I now have this thing over you, which is the thing that she was trying to avoid. I feel bad for Maeve. She's in a pretty tough spot now, having to protect Elena and not knowing what's what his true intentions are. Yeah. Uh, Until we see Elena, I'm a little worried (laughs) for for her. He is is a person whose like radar you don't want to be on. And now she is. Although the one thing that's uh, going for Maeve is the fact that he has bigger, like if it had just been like before Stonefront, maybe season one, I feel like that would have been an issue. She should try to go find Elena. <laughs> um, but in this case, he has bigger issues with Stormfront and that's like taking more of his attention. So I was like, oh, I think you're okay, Maeve. And hopefully Elena's okay. Because at this point, like you're kind of just like the bottom you know, kind of like the anything, like it was nothing to him. And I think also with Maeve, it just feels like it's it's something, but it's also like not the top of his priority to really, like I think she could have some time to like go and get her girl safe um, because he has other issues that he wants to get done first, <laughs> like Stormfront. Right. Well, after that Stormfront meeting and uh, then the killing himself <laughs> in, in, in the cabin, I think we are faced with a much angrier 
and kind of zeroed in Homelander than we had seen so far. I'm not sure where that leads us narratively in the next couple of episodes, but I don't think that it's going to be a whole lot more staying in Vought Tower, watching more TV. I think I think something active is about to happen on the on the part of Homelander. He might take stronger action getting the getting the seven to conform to his standards. Or he he might take to trying to sort out, you know, the the boys and and maybe other super villains, super terrorists out there in the world. I I can't predict exactly which. I just think that the absorbing of the memes and all that kind of stuff that was this episode. I don't think that's gonna be further into the show. Do you have any any Homelander or other show predictions to make before going into episode five? There was so much going on and like uh, uh, tidbits that were revealed, like the Becca, Maeve, A-Train. I feel like it's just also setting up another episode. Hopefully episode five will be sort of a big reveal. And maybe some, since this one was more of um, like character building, I feel like the next one has to be more action packed. Now that you mentioned that, it, it seems like I don't know where he's going, but I bet Becca's house is now that you mention it. Because there was no Ryan at all. Uh-huh. And maybe he's going to like just go take him. Like, you know, and be like, I'm uh-huh. done with this. Like, if I don't need anybody, whatever, you're going to come with me. I, I just think there's going to be a lot of action in the next one. That's like my prediction, just because this episode was just so much of the character building um, and reveals and not so much of the action part. Someone's head or whatever has to get blown up. Um, <laughs> uh, there has to be blood in the next one because the boys doesn't go two episodes without any gore. <laughs> I think I think we just pieced together a possible outcome that Homelander will make a play for Ryan. Becca will need Billy's intervention to try to sort that out because she's not going to get any help from Vought. All right, that may be that may be complete bullshit, but that seems like a, a reasonable path forward from where we are right now. So we'll see it in episode five podcast if I'm completely wrong as usual. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I just want to say one more tidbit. I'm loving the whole like ode to either Disney or uh, Kung Gong, like the way they're yeah. using Vought here. Vought Plus. Um, Vought Plus, and then also like, and then also just like with the uh, Homelander and the Confederate flag, and then like there's like signs of other stuff. Like I don't know. It's very now. Yes, it is, and so subtle too. Like you have to be paying attention. But they, but yeah, Stormfront's rant against Vought and their action figures and shitty movies and all that kind of stuff. That all sounds very <laughs> much what people say about Disney right now. Yeah, I'm not. I like the stuff Disney makes. But whatever. I'm not Stormfront. <laughs> they shouldn't have bought Prime. <laughs> no, they didn't say anything about Vought Prime. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> This has been our coverage for the fourth episode of Prime Video's The Boys. If you like this podcast, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you next week. This has been Paul with Pod Clubhouse. And this is Kat with Shuffle Online. And thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.